Steve Rossi, lead pastor here at the Gospel Tab. And um, just want to start by talking a, a little bit about where we're going this summer. Julie mentioned the up and the out opportunities. We're also going to have a couple men's and women's uh, respective in opportunities uh, as well that are forthcoming. So you know about that for this summer, just some gatherings, opportunities for us to grow in relationship with each other as we're also growing on mission and in our relationship with God. Um, and then also, as we head deeper into the summer, starting July 9th, we are going to start a five-fold sermon series. The five-fold, you may know, are the five leadership gifts of Jesus Christ, talked about in Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to unpack those uh, in some different ways through both teaching and some panel discussions because, and John Jordan did this yesterday, right? The, the calling lab. Part of that lab is discerning what is, what am I as a, as a gift to the body of Christ? Am I more of an apostolic leader or prophetic, evangelistic, uh, pastoral, or a teaching kind of leader? And so um, we want to continue to continue to um, expound on that in light of what God's doing here in raising up leaders and raising us up and activating us in the fullness of our calling. And so uh, I'm going to do a short sermon series, though, between now and that series, and it's going to be on a house of prayer. Uh, we believe that the Lord is speaking about cultivating us as a house, a, a, a people who minister to the Lord. And there's a lot of ways that he has spoken that in this season prophetically, um, through dreams, uh, through other words. Also, even regarding the leadership calling on my life and him putting me in leadership in this season. I did a one-off sermon, if you remember, uh, maybe in January, about the house of prayer. I did it from the passage on when Jesus cleanses the temple. Um, and in that, I talked about how when Jesus cleanses the temple, um, what comes into the temple that is of God, that he's always wanted for his people, is praise, healing, and joy. And so you see the children come in and praise. Uh, healing happens. There's supernatural miracles of physical healing after he cleanses the temple. And lastly, he says, my house uh, will be filled with joy. Amen. And we experienced something of that this morning, right? As we laid into our inheritance together. And so if you guys can look on your devices, in your Bibles, or on the screen behind me, uh, we're going to be in uh, John chapter 4. Verse 7, um, if you could stand in honor of God's word, that's where we'll start in the passage of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. One qualification um, that I want to make as we talk about the house, us being a house of worship this morning, is that worship is a lifestyle of obedience by the grace of God, right? It's not just singing songs with one another and praising and praying to God, right? It's more than that. And so I just want to acknowledge that, um, that, you know, even the word work in the Hebrew comes from the word worship. Like, in all of life, we're called to worship God. However, I'm going to be talking about the facet of worship that is what we did this morning in coming together and singing. And Brie, you and I were talking about this yesterday, this idea of there's something about coming together in community, like when Paul says, 
Come together, be filled with the Spirit of God, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another. And I love this setup. I don't know if it's going to work. We're going to try it. You know, <laughs> we, um, maybe we find three or four things that say, oh, this isn't working so well. I don't know if we should. But, but I love this part of the setup, at least, of this room, is that we are facing one another more so. We are closer to one another, and we're saying, we're singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another, and we're positioned more to do that. And as we do that, our faith is growing as we receive the word of the Lord, right? And so it was true in the other setup. I like how this setup is conducive for that. Um, and so I just wanted to speak to that regarding worship um, as we look at this passage this morning. Um, would you guys please read aloud with me? Sometimes I do it. Sometimes I don't ask you to do that. Um, and so uh, let's read aloud together. Um, can everybody see this? I'm a little taller. So am I in the way? Okay, we good? All right. <laughs> We're figuring this room out still. So, all right, let's read this out loud together. And I want you to consider as we do, one of the reasons we do this, you are not only sticking with this in attentiveness, right? It helps us to be at our attention if we have to read it out loud too. <laughs> but also, I encourage you, receive this word by faith because there's power in the word of God. The word of God stands alone all by itself as our authority. And this is the most powerful word you will receive this morning. This is the word of God. And so receive this by faith. May my sermon, Lord, in your name be only by your spirit that it would be as powerful as this word. Let's read aloud together. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. I must not have given Zane all of my sermon slides. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'm just going to keep reading this and keep listening. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. 
Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. You can be seated. All right. Thanks for sticking with me. That's a longer passage to read out loud together. So the context here, and it's referred to, right, is that the Jews and the Samaritans do not get along. There's a lot of cultural and religious differences between them. So Samaritans uh, were uh, mixed ethnically. The Jews looked down upon this. Um, the Samaritans mixed religions. They mixed Judaism with other kinds of practices. And so the Jews, for all of these reasons, did not associate with them. Also, we've referenced this before. It was a very patriarchal society where men were considered superior. And it would have been utterly beneath Jesus and inappropriate of him to talk with this Samaritan woman. And so Jesus is crossing like every line possible <laughs> of what is considered culturally and religiously appropriate in this moment. And he's doing it to reach the marginalized, right? Isn't it interesting or ironic that Jesus is in his holiness doing what religion told man not to do? That Jesus in his holiness and in perfect love was breaking through religious barriers of sin, the divisions that he would die and pay the price for healing and reconciling, he was foreshadowing and doing in real time, in real life, in this moment. And so he crosses these lines to reach the heart of one woman loved by God. And so um, when I was at, uh, it was about 2010, it was, it was the winter of 2010, I was at a conference called Jubilee. I was there recruiting college students for Aliquippa Impact. And um, we had an evening worship service uh, that evening, and I still remember, guys, so uh, vividly how there was no place I wanted to be less. <laughs> you thought I was going to be so pious and holy and excited for Jesus there, right? There was no place I wanted to be less. In fact, I was so disinterested and distracted and even wanted to run out of there. I was emotionally sick. I was, my will was passive. I didn't think I had the option to enter in and to worship. And uh, I needed a renewed mind. I think I was distracted. I think that I was disinterested because my heart was so divided. 
And so I felt like I couldn't enter into that. Have any of you ever felt that way where it's like, I just, I'm not feeling it. So maybe it wasn't like, like it's not that heavy or it wasn't that serious for you, but it's just like, I'm distracted or I don't want to be here. I'm just not feeling it this morning. Joel spoke to some of this when he gave that word, right? Like that uh, God is still God. And so even if we've come in with these things, we may be perplexed or, but we may not feel it sometimes, right? And um, we may feel like, well, it's actually, it feels fake to praise him right now if I feel this way. Or maybe you feel like disqualified because of how you've lived or how you're living or what was done to you, what you've done. And so you feel like this would be hypocritical. This isn't real, you know, of me to do this. But I want to say to you this morning, brothers and sisters, that how we feel is not a prerequisite for coming into God's presence and praising and worshiping him. And also, it was never based on, our qualifications were never based on what we've done, what we're doing, what we haven't done. It's all based right here on this cross, or on this, uh, at this table, on the cross and the work that Jesus finished for us to reconcile us to him, which is why we're justified to come into the throne of grace just as we are and receive mercy and find grace as we did what we did this morning in laying hold of our inheritance, coming as we are, recognizing we are qualified by the blood. We are righteous by the blood to come into Jesus' presence as we are. It's not fake, it's contending. That even when I feel that way, I can enter in. And furthermore, we're not called to go from zero to a hundred right into worship. And so let me explain what I mean by that, because worship in the Greek here means to kiss and bow in reverence, okay? It means to kiss and bow. Mike Bickle says that it's agreeing with who God is. Sometimes our minds and our hearts aren't there yet. But praise be to God, the psalmist says, enter his courts with thanksgiving and his gates with praise. That we can choose as a choice of the will, because we have a choice. You do have a choice that we can choose to enter his courts with thanksgiving and his gates with praise. You know, when Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to pray, Our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Before we hallowed his name, that we can thank him, that he's our Father and I'm his son in light of who he is and what Jesus did for me, that I can thank him for his love for me, that I can receive his love afresh for me before I hallow his name. Before I worship him, the late British evangelist Smith Wigglesworth said that I start in the flesh, but I end in the spirit. That we can choose to submit our souls to the spirit of God inside of us and start. If you want to be real, like the psalmist, get real in God's presence about what you did last night and about what's going on in your life. But don't, don't think it's fake to get in God's presence, right? Believing the lie that you can't enter this throne room of grace that his blood wasn't sufficient to enter in, okay? And so um, there was uh, one of my mentors said that we start in praise and thanksgiving and we end in worship. Another mentor of mine said to me that praise is one level and worship is another. There's nothing like being in the context of God's 
face when we get to that place of worship. So what is, it sounds like semantics, right? It's like, okay, well, praise and thanksgiving and worship, like which is which? What are you, what, how are you making the distinction between entering in with praise and thanksgiving? What is versus worship? Well, I want to contend, propose to you guys from Scripture that we start in praise and thanksgiving as a choice of the will. That is from our soul. But God loves to dwell with his people and come in close when we engage. And when he does, he imparts his life to us. C.S. Lewis said that when I worship God, he imparts his life to me. <laughs> and he also said that when I, or I can love God only through worship. In other words, that, that when I worship God as creator, that I love God, when I, that I can love with the love of God because of my creator meeting me when I worship him. And so it's this, it's this reality that, it's what Jesus speaks about, from this passage when Jesus says that there is a spring of water that springs up from within us to eternal life. And what is eternal life but to know the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ? That when we enter in and the Spirit of God comes, what does He do but reveal the Son of God to us? We were just singing, turn your eyes on Jesus right? Turn your eyes on Jesus. Some people might have got caught up by the Spirit and began to worship Him in the Spirit and in truth. Others were still contending, right? Others were still contending like, okay, I'm going to fix my eyes. I'm going to trust that you are who you say you are. I'm going to try, and both are good. And what we're doing is saying we're contending to get to that place of worship in the Spirit and worship in truth. That when the Spirit of God comes, He fills us, and now we can worship in the Spirit at the revelation of the Son. If in February of 2010, I didn't want to leave the room fast enough when we were worshiping. In February 2013, God did a wonder in my life. And it was represented, a microcosm of that was being in a worship gathering at a prayer conference. Where God broke in. And my thanksgiving and praise turned to high worship and exaltation at a revelation of the Son that I had never had. We, we were, the room was gaining energy as we praised and worshiped Him. As the night went on, I had more energy than when I came into the room about five hours prior. Because the meeting went long. We were more impressed and in love when we left than when we came. Jesus had met us by His Spirit. And we went from praise and thanksgiving, which was deciding to come in the first place and enter into this fully, to worship in the Spirit and worship in truth. Does that make sense? Are you following what I'm saying here? Okay, well, if God, Jesus says God is the Spirit in this passage. Who is God in this passage? God is Spirit. He says, and um, he says, worship is not about where you do it, but that you do it in spirit and in truth. And so what is he getting at here as he goes deeper in this passage with this woman? Well, if you can go to the, my next slide there, Zane. Jesus says, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst 
Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water. Don't you love that God doesn't meet us based on our understanding? But he will answer our prayers according to his will. So catch this. The woman says, well, give me this water. (laughs) But she has no, no idea what she's talking about yet. She has no idea what she's talking about yet, right? She says, give me this water so I don't have to keep coming here and drawing water. And Jesus is like, ah, that's why I came, to give you this water. And how does he do it? It's interesting. He gives her a hard word. He says, you've had five husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband. That's the word by which he cuts to the heart with this woman. Now, he's doing it to reveal what's true in order to heal her heart and give her this living water. She doesn't feel that way yet, but he's bringing her along. He's bringing her into the kingdom, and it's through this weird word of knowledge, right? A word of knowledge is a gift of the Holy Spirit, of a fact that you couldn't otherwise know, that you receive from the Lord that is always to bring strengthening, comfort, and encouragement. And so that's what Jesus is after here, even though it's not apparent. I want to give you an example of this. I have a friend who did ministry in Colombia. He ministered there for a few weeks, and he ministered there in power. There were tumors falling off people. There was deliverances. There were salvations. There were deaf ears being opened. And he went home and he shared the testimony of Jesus, of what God did And the more he shared the story, the more it became about him than it became about Jesus. And the story got more and more about his ministry than it was about Jesus. And so he fell into a deep depression, and he didn't understand why. He wasn't making the connection for about six months. And he was at a prayer conference, and he asked for prayer for this depression. And the person was praying over him, and he, they got a word of knowledge. And they said, you've stolen God's glory, and he will not share it with another. And he felt shame and condemnation, not because Jesus was giving shame and condemnation. Now track with me. He receives this word, and he goes home, and he prays before the Lord in shame. And the Lord speaks to him from John 15. And he said, my word has already cleaned you. (laughs) What was the word? You stole my glory. (laughs) And that is the word that cleaned him. Why? Because that was the word he needed to give him life. She needed the word. You've had five husbands and the man you're with now. And in the Greek, that means that you're with like he's your husband. Jesus was not mincing words here. I know everything about you. (laughs) And he revealed to heal her heart, and he did with that word. She got what my friend got that day. She got cleaned by that word. Let's read the next slide. Um, Many of the Samaritans from, this is later in the passage that we didn't read together. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. That was the testimony. 
That was the testimony of Jesus. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. I think this woman became a five-fold evangelist overnight, is what I think. <laughs> I think she led many people to the Lord, both with her testimony and by saying, well, he's right over there. And then they, <laughs> they went to him, and he talked to them for two more days. But guys, God, even when we have a hard word like that, he's revealing to heal. And so anytime we come into God's presence know that he deserves our worship and we were made for his glory. That even those hard words to my friend and to the Samaritan woman, that was experiencing the glory of God. That was experiencing a, the truth that would set them free to worship in truth. Because what were they to do with this word except agree with it? That's the amen that John said at, at communion. <laughs> she was like, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> she basically she acknowledged like you're right <laughs> I perceive you're a prophet and then she tried to change the subject but <laughs> but eventually she we see that she received that word if God is spirit then we are worshipers in spirit and in truth and Jake if you can come up and play um so I want to activate us. Uh, I want us to be activated in our birthright, in praise and thanksgiving, that which is contending in order to get to a place of the Lord meeting us and the Lord and beginning to worship in spirit and truth. And so there's seven words in um, the Psalms, seven different kinds of praise that are biblical. Um, and so I want to speak to those, but I want to do something a little different this morning and ask you guys to stand with me and practice them with me. We're not going to do all of them. Um, and so if you can stand, please stand. Of course, um, it's okay if you don't. I want to give a qualification here too. You know, some of you have been told at some point in your journey in the church how you ought to praise or that it's a spiritual barometer how you praise that, you know, it's more spiritual to raise your hand, hands, or I want you to know as on behalf of leaders in the church of Jesus Christ, that I'm sorry that that happened to you and that that's not okay. And that that's not what we're doing this morning. We're not saying this is the only way to worship. What we are saying is this is legal and even healthy because it's biblical <laughs> and so we want you to know your options. And as we grow as a family who's called to minister to the Lord, these are seven ways to do that. Whether it's entering in or it's by his spirit, overwhelming and overtaking you that you begin to do it, like dance or like falling to your knees. Whether it's in thanksgiving and praise or whether it's in worship in the spirit, that this is the truth. This is a way to praise and so I want to practice um, a couple of these together, and then I'll just read the rest of them. Um, the first one is yada. It's praising God by extending your hands. Second Chronicles 20. I recently heard this in a sermon. 
So it looks like I did all this research, but they did it all for me. And I was like, this is great. I'm doing this. And this, uh, but anyway, so that's my reference there. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is perfect for this. Um, Psalm 63, 4, yada, praising God by extending your hands. The second, and we're going to do these two together, is Shabak. Shabak is to lift up your voice. Guys, we did this this morning. This is like confirmation to me. It's a roar that signifies there's still a fight in me and I believe in my victory in Christ. It's not a song. It's not a prayer. It's a roar. It's a shout that Joel led us in. It is a shout that, hey, I'm still here, not in some macho sense, but in faith, (laughs) in who God is, in who I am in light of who God is, in what he said, and how he wants me to respond to him in this moment. Okay? So for the next 20 seconds, can we raise our hands and give God a shout because of the victory that is ours in Jesus? Amen? Let's do that. Thank you, God! Oh God, praise you, Lord. Fix your eyes on Jesus, not on your neighbor. Become more undignified than this. This is our birthright in the kingdom. To praise God in faith. It's the sound of faith. It's the sound of faith. And it does bring breakthrough because we receive the power of God by faith. Number three is todah. Praise to give God thanks for the things he will do. (laughs) So that person who hasn't come into the kingdom yet in your family that you've been praying for, Lord, thank you that today is the day of their salvation. Lord, you who began a good work in my life over this trial in my life, I just speak, Lord, you'll be faithful to complete it. If it's not good news yet, then it's not done, right? So we're going to enter into that for the next 20 seconds. But then the the fourth word is Barak, to kneel down and praise God from this posture. So if you can kneel down, would you kneel down? And um, (laughs) and we're going to kneel down and we are going to prophesy and thank God for the promises of that are ours in Christ Jesus, as they come to your heart, just speak them over real situations and relationships and people in your life. Let's do that to Jake's song for the next 20 seconds. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that my Uncle Bob will come into the kingdom because your will is that no man will perish. And so, Lord, I thank you that he will be saved, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God what is unhealed there. Lord God, that you, by your stripes, she is healed. Lord, I thank you, Lord God. We just declare healed, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God.
just stay in that posture. If you're still praying, if you're still praising, just go for it. We're not in a rush. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you're speaking, Lord God. Even now, the Lord is giving you fresh words on how to pray or what to declare promises over the problems. We don't have to always ask God for something for the a solution for the problem. That's fine. But we can declare the promises of God prophetically as the solution. Lord, I thank you. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. You can stand or sit or stay on your knees or do what you want in your posture right now. The fifth song is our uh, type of praise is Tehillah, not Tequila. Tehillah, the singing of hymns, spiritual praise, new and unrehearsed songs. I wasn't going to do that one, but let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. You can stand or sit, and we're just going to sing to the Lord from your heart, your heart song to him. Okay? There are psalms. That's the songs in the Bible. There are hymns. That's the contemporary music to what we consider old hymns um, that aren't old compared to the Psalms <laughs> um, that we sing that are written songs. And then there's new songs, the song of your heart to God. Not a performance, a heart song, a love song, a relationship uh, activated, right? So let's do that now to the Lord. Just fix your eyes on Jesus and sing your song to the Lord. this. <laughs> he really loves this. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He loves to be with us. He's captivated by us. 
Thank you, Lord God. The sixth one, I told Jake, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make us do this from a, from after sitting for a half hour. But the sixth one is halah, to be clear, to shine, to boast, to show, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish in dance. Psalm one thirteen one. 150 verse 1 at least just know it's legal it's healthy it's biblical he loves our dance unto him zamar so this is the last one and i want us to just kind of hold our hands out and as a represent representative as like a hot heart posture of uh receiving because this one, Zamar, is with musical instrument to pluck the strings of an instrument. Psalm 21.13. And so this is, a, this is an example of, um, like in Samuel, it talks about uh, they prophesied with harp and lyre. Receive this song over you from the Lord as Jake plays. Receive this over you and see if he doesn't maybe he speaks a word to you in it even if you don't hear anything um, in your heart or otherwise you don't see anything know by faith that the Lord loves you and is speaking over you the Bible says he rejoices over us with singing so I'm going to sit down for a moment too and just receive this uh, this song over us they prophesied with harp and liar. Jake, would you prophesy with instrument?
things are lifting off of people, heaviness. Fresh words are bringing life. Just a word from the Lord. <laughs> the sound of his love for you. The sound of his song over you. thank you that you're not only not mad you're so joy filled and in love with us you're the source of our joy you're the source of your own joy <laughs> we receive your song of rejoicing the sound of your love for us the sound that prophesies over us strengthens us encourages us and comforts us some of you are being comforted in your grief right now. And it's a healing comfort. It's not just an empathy or a sympathy. It's transformational because it's God. Some of you are being set free by the truth. Some of us are being healed. Maybe even in our bodies. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I talked, I asked us, what, uh, on Pentecost Sunday, what's our waiting game like? <laughs> Something God's challenging us in is a priesthood whose primary calling is to minister to the Lord. And I believe that God wants to cultivate that in us this season. That means there's going to be grace for it. <laughs> there's no pressure in that. You know, what does that mean? What do I need to do? Um, there's grace for that. He's going to grow us in this. Praise God. He's going to grow us in waiting. You know, the Bible says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard. I think John Jordan read this maybe last week. Maybe it was at Upper Room. I don't know. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has in store for those who wait on him, is what Isaiah says, and what Paul says in the New Testament is for those who love him. And so, um, Lord, we receive what you have in store for us. Because we are those who love you and wait on you. In the name of Jesus. And may it be said of us, brothers and sisters, like it was said of Jesus. Of our fullness, as God fills us to overflowing, that out from within us flows rivers of living water, that from our fullness, that others will receive grace upon grace. Amen. Amen. Amen.